get ready for the Small Church Shepherds podcast. Small Church Shepherds exist to encourage, enrich, and equip small church pastors and churches. You can find our blog and more information about us at smallchurchshepherds.com. Welcome back to Small Church Shepherds. This is Jonathan. I got Dennis with me today. Uh, James couldn't be with us. He's on vacation. Hey, James, enjoy that. I'm sure you'll listen to this later. Um, But we're going to start today talking on the issue of counseling, pastoral counseling. Um, It's it's a big topic. We don't really know if this is going to be a multi-episode thing or not, but we just decided, yeah, look, let's start talking about it and see where it leads us. Um, So, James, what is your view of pastoral counseling? Well, I'm Dennis, not Jim, yeah, Dennis. But, but first off, <laughs> Dennis, I, I, I think I'm going to leave that in there. Get, I would counsel you to get my name right. <laughs> now, uh, my view of pastoral counseling, and, and I think I'll begin with this: I don't believe, um, I don't like the term pastoral counseling. I like the term shepherding better because I think what we call counseling sort of falls under that purview of shepherding. And because we're called to be shepherds, um, what I think is it's more helpful to me as a pastor to look at this as a part of discipleship. Um, any kind of a counseling situation is an opportunity for dis- for me to disciple um, people within my flock and to disciple the, the sheep and how to live um, Christ-like, Christ-honoring lives. And so that can, um, to me, that can, that can hit all of the different areas of counseling that we t- yeah. traditionally call pastoral counseling and we talk about. But that's sort of, you know, my thing is I think it's really about shepherding. It's about looking at ourselves as going into this. My job is not to be, um, you know, Kramer on the couch. My job is to be the pastor who's leading my flock. Well, uh, and and I'll give you a little pushback on that because I I, I get what you're saying with it shepherding, but really counseling is really just a subset of the act of shepherding. It's not all shepherding is. So like, um, I have no, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem. That's the reason I introduced it as biblical counseling, pastoral counseling. But I agree with you as far as it is shepherding, um, right. and we have to take that mentality of shepherding that this, is, this isn't this is just like I'm not sitting here as the psychiatrist, you know, because right. I'm not. Uh, I'm sitting here as a pastor um, right. with a congregant. And, well, or with, I, think, I think when we talk about shepherding and why I like to call it, a part of shepherding, a part of uh, counseling is a part of shepherding, like you said, which I agree with, is one of the, the purposes of a shepherd is to help your people reach spiritual maturity. And, and so I view counseling as as sort of a discipleship thing. Um, even though it's not straight discipleship, it, it, I view it as discipleship. So I think that's a helpful way for me to think about it because I understand that a lot better than the counseling world. Yeah, I, I understand discipleship. And so that's sort of how I get it in my head because it helps me when I'm counseling people to look at this as an opportunity to disciple people. Yeah, I like to think of it as discipling too, because, and that's something I haven't necessarily thought of until maybe, I don't know, last year or two. Um, But it's something that's been highlighted. I'm working through, I've said before, we're working through on Wednesday nights, uh, Mark Dever's book on discipling. And um, just last night, 
we did because recording this on Thursday. Uh, just last night, we did the section on uh, chapter six, and it's the pastor's function of discipling and the church wow. members, the congregations, talking about the corporate, corporately what your things right. are. But he hits on that need of of one on one counseling as as a fundamental part of how you are making disciples. Um, Because you think ultimately what is making a disciple, if you go to the great commission, it's teaching people all that, you know, go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all that I've commanded you, you know? Um, And in those counseling moments as a pastor, you know, we're going to counsel differently. We're going to shepherd those people differently in the way than the world is. All right. So if they go to a counselor, it's going to be, Hey, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to try to give you some tips and tricks to try to tweak your life. What we're going to do as a pastor, if someone comes into us is we're going to try to listen to them and then speak scripture and truth back to them. Right. Um, And so not to say that we won't give you tips, right? But that's not going to be our primary focus. Our primary focus is going to be how can I encourage this person with the Word of God um, and give them some kind of wisdom and direction for their life with whatever they're dealing with um, right. at that that's moment. Good. That's good. And, and to me, part of pastoral counseling or, or pastoring, shepherd, or, or discipleship, or mentoring, or however you want to look at this, part of it is this idea that um, sometimes we get this picture of counseling as I'm going to somebody who's going to fix me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think we as pastors need to realize is is we're never going to fix the people who come into our office. And our role should not be, I'm here to fix this situation. Our role should be, I'm here to show them how they are to biblically understand this and how they are to go to the cross and to go to Christ and and, and seek Christ to fix them. And I think that's a a key thing that we've got to get through in our pastoral counseling is, is Victory is not me fixing the situation. Victory is me leading them to Christ. Exactly, and and, and helping them to be more like more Christ-like in right. their suffering or whatever their situation is. And, and this leads me, and I know we didn't discuss this in advance, but this leads me to something just that's near and dear to my heart is mental health. Um, and and how do you counsel someone with mental health issues? And one of the things that I'm just a big advocate for is that mental health issues are not necessarily always a sin issue, that there can be something physically, chemically wrong with you to uh, give you some type of mental disorder, all right, or mental right. illness. And the, but well, something I also acknowledge is that, and that I've had to acknowledge in my own life, of, as I deal with mental dis, um, mental my mental health and right. mental health of my family and churchgoers is um, even if you acknowledge that yes, there is some. <sighs> medical thing you need to be doing, like going and getting a, seeing a psychologist or psychiatrist, taking medicines, uh, whatever it is, we as pastors still have a role in that in showing them that just because you have a mental health issue does not give you a pass right. on sin, that you have to learn how to be more like Christ in the midst of whatever mental, whether it's depression, anxiety, bipolar, uh, you know, like go, go with whatever it is. You have to learn how to be Christ honoring in the midst of that with that not that we're going to as pastors bring you out of that or deliver you from that but that we're going to show you how to be the most holy 
in that situation. Right. Well, one of the things we have to, to point out to our people, one of the things we as pastors need to understand is that, yes, there are medications, like you said, that people need. But the reason they need that is because there's no area of our of our lives that have not been affected by sin. Mm-hmm. And just because there is a damage in us created by sin does not free us from culpability to God for the sins we commit. Just because I may have something broken in me that causes me to have violent outbursts does not mean that there's not a sin problem that I have to deal with with God. It may mean I need medication to help me control those because my brain is damaged by sin, but I'm still culpable for what I do and what I say, and and I think that's important. I tell people all the time, we are holistic beings, and what I mean when I say that is we we are flesh and spirit, all right? We're body and soul, however you want to phrase that, and it is very, very rare for anything to only affect one of those two halves. I don't care if you stub your toe, it's going to affect you spiritually, okay? Much less having, you know, because you're going to have a reaction to stubbing your toe, you know what I'm saying? Like, we are so, we are spiritual beings with and yeah. so everything is going to affect us. I don't care if it's a, I don't care if it's cancer or depression. All right, there there can be um, physical and spiritual things often simultaneous that you need to be dealing with, and well, and that's part of our job as pastors to try to lead you through that. Right, a stub toe can definitely cause if it doesn't <laughs> cause it, it can almost call a third cause a third commandment violation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, that's very true, and I think that's a good word, brother, the fact that we are holistic. So as pastors, we have to—and and I think what we're trying to say here is this. Pastor, realize that that because we are a whole, because we are body and flesh, we're not Gnostics. We do not believe that the body is evil and the spirit is good. Uh, we believe that they're, they're all broken um, and yep. that only Christ can fix what's going on in our spirit, but we still inhabit a body that is is, is corrupted by the flesh, that, that we need to counsel and not be afraid to say, hey, you need to see somebody else. Um, there's just exactly. so much that we can do. And I think there's an arrogance in us. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I do think there's some branches of psychology. There's some branches of even medicine that deny um, God and and can lead someone down a bad path. And so we need to we need to familiarize ourselves with the people in our areas who do that kind of counseling so that we can recommend good people. But we should not be afraid to recommend people when we reach a point where we cannot. We, we, we've done all we can do. We've addressed yeah. the spiritual it, side. Yeah. And, and they've got to get the other side. Well, and it, there's there's dangers on both sides of that. There, right. There's dangers in saying something is only medical and going into realms of medical treatment right. that are unethical or unchristian. But there's also the, the hyper-spiritualized side of things where um, you tell people that, oh, we just need to pray harder and have more faith and things like that. And right. and that's not your responsibility or, or biblical either. Um, you have to find, find that balance. And you have to be able, as a pastor, 
pastor to realize that it is not a failure in your ministry to have to refer someone out. All right. That's it's not a failure. It's actually you being a good shepherd to realize your limits, to realize the needs of your congregation and to do the best you can to see that those needs are met. That's actually a success for a pastor, not a failure. Well, if I had sheep, real sheep, like Baba sheep, and one of them (laughs) broke its leg, then I would take it to a vet because I'm ill-equipped to help a sheep with a broken leg. And I would be a poor shepherd if I let my, if I walked up to my sheep and said, you know, you just need to get your heart right with God and didn't take it to a vet and get its leg set. Um, and, and, and the same is true for us as, as ministers. Yes, there's a spiritual component. There's a physical component and understanding that, um, well, will help us be better at what we do. And, and, and that's what we want. I mean, I want to be a, I, I don't want to be one of these guys who says, number one, we don't want to, we don't want to sweep things under the rug because they're embarrassing to the family or to the church or, or to us individually, which has happened. A lot of the, the damage that's going on in the SBC when you talk about the sexual abuse things is because it was just like, well, we'll deal with it in-house and then we'll sweep it under the rug. And I think that happens in mental health issues where you've got a pastor who's dealing with someone who's got serious mental health. And they're, they're saying, well, just pray about it, brother. And, and it's just as foolish for me to tell someone with cancer, just pray about it and God will heal you. You don't need all that chemotherapy as it yep. is to tell someone who has a mental disorder. Just pray about it, brother, and God will deliver you. Yeah. Both are negligent by me as a pastor. And they're arrogant as me yeah. as a pastor. Um, We're going to take just a moment to read an ad from our sponsors. And now back to the small church shepherds. Well, let's just go to the practical side of this. All right, you're at your church. What practically are you doing to set up counseling as far as letting people know you're available? What parameters do you set around your counseling and how do you fit that into your schedule? How do you protect yourself uh, from... Uh, to be above reproach, if you have to counsel a female, all these types of things. Um, so lead off with that, Dennis. Okay, well that's that's a lot. So let's start. With <laughs> <laughs> let's start with with the first part of that. Let's just chew on the first part of that. How do I let my people know that I'm available? Um, first off, I have office hours, and my people know my office hours. I'm available. Um, I, I let people know um, from the pulpit. I'll say, hey, I'm available if anyone needs to speak to me. Um, I'm always available in my office when I'm in worship service. If someone comes down to the altar and is asking for prayer, I let them know I'm available during the week if somebody wants to come by or we can have lunch. And a lot of times I'll say, hey, if you need to have lunch sometime, let me know. We'll sit down and talk about this. Of course, that's that's always with um, people of the same sex, even though I, I would say this, Jonathan, when we talk about protecting ourselves, we're, we're in an era where I don't think it's just with the opposite sex that we have to protect ourselves. And so um, it's getting to where you, you almost have to protect yourself no matter who's in your office. But, um, but I, but I let my people know, Hey, I'm available. Um, I want to count. So I want to talk through these things. So I think the pulpit is one of the areas that we do that Um, having office hours and, and for the bivocational guy, I think, letting your church know that we have a limited open door policy when I was bivocational. 
I let people know I'm available. But there were sometimes when I wasn't available. And I think you mm-hmm. have to sort of sit down with your spouse, sit down with your church and say, okay, um, I'm available on Monday nights from these times. If somebody needs help, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think you just got to sort of fence out times when you can do that. What about you, Jonathan? What do you do? Well, I agree with you about, you know, I have I let people know from the pulpit, obviously, that I, I'm here. I do. I'm full-time, so I have office hours, and people know that I'm here. Um and, you know, I just echo everything you just said. But um, one thing that I try to make she make people understand uh, is simply that, like, my church had never had a pastor that kept office hours. Right. They thought, oh, he's in his study. Let's not bother him. Right. You know, I, I've been here almost two years. I'm just now in the last six months getting to the point where people stop in on a regular basis yeah. and, and, and come to me to talk and counsel. Uh, because even though I've been telling them, hey, come, I'm, I'm here so that you know where I'm at to come to me. Uh, so I, I, just having office hours and saying it didn't seem to be enough. It, it really took me inviting people in um, and and. and you know, making them realize that my study is not some sacred place. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, which was, I think is a weird thing to have to do, but I had to do it. Um, and I I don't know why, but it just was a thing here and it might be some, a way at other people's churches. I don't know. Um, another thing I think about is the bivocational people who don't have the time. I think of our interview with Mark Clifton, um, and he talked about when he was planting the church and he's being bivocational, he's saying, you know, if you want the young families to come to your church, you have to be there for the young families. Right. And a lot of times that means, you know, the nine, 10 o'clock at night, they're just now getting off of work or just put their young kids to bed and now they need to counsel, you know. And so sometimes you have to make, you're just going to have to make those sacrifices as a bivocational pastor. It's not ideal. It's not, um, uh, it's, it's. It's just going to be hard. That's the best way I can put it. It's going to be hard. Right. It's going to be hard on you. It's going to be hard on your family. But you're, if you're bivocational, it's just one of the sacrifices you have to make to care well for your family and to see your church grow. Um, but at the same time, you do have to be able to say no. Um, it, it is so hard to say no to church members. It's so hard to say I can't be there for you. Um but pretty much there are certain times when you carve out time for your family that unless it's a death of a church member, you're not leaving, you know, right. um, and and you have to be able to do that. But at the same time, you also have to be willing to say, you know what? My family is important. I, I always want to guard my time with them. But there are some times where you say you just got to make that judgment. You know what? This person needs me. I've been taking care of my family well all week. Right. They're going to last, you know, it's going to make my son cry that I'm having to leave right now, but he's going to be okay. And this other person's not. And so I need to go to them. Right. And and there are times when you have to leave that ball game or you have to not go to the ball game or you have to um, leave the recital um, so that you can sit down with family that's hurting. But I think um, carving out that time as far as protecting yourself, I think, um, as much as you can, having an open door policy with counseling is important. Um, and what I mean by that is if I have someone come into my office, I ask them, I say, is it okay that I have the door open while we talk? Um, that way somebody can peek their head in. If it's, if it's sensitive, they may say, no, it's not okay. And I'll say, okay, well then is it okay if I ask the church secretary to come in with us? 
And, um, and so I'll do that. If, and, um, you know, sometimes they say, yeah, there's been a couple of times when someone has said no. And then I'll ask them, is it okay if I, if we just reschedule this and my wife is there? Um, I've never had anyone deny my wife being there. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I take that back. I had one person tell me I would feel more comfortable if it was just the two of us. And, and I, told that person i said look i've got to protect my integrity and i have to protect my family and um so i I cannot meet with you if you cannot allow us to have at least one other person there um and and they finally considered we had a uh another staff member they considered to another minister being in the room and so i called that person and they came over so you just got to walk through that and but i think being open with them and telling them this is why yeah, um, helps in that is just being open and honest with people and just tell them, look, I don't do this for anybody. I don't, I'm never in a room with the door shut with someone, anyone but a staff member or my spouse. Yeah. And uh, just being as, as open with them um, as you can be. And I, and I think that helps. Definitely doors not shut unless there's someone there to keep you accountable, no matter what the situation is. Um, that's that's a good policy. If, you got, if you've got a glass window in your door where people can look in, I mean, that's different. I mean, you can. Well, that's that's one thing for if you're full time and you have a secretary. But I like I'm full time, but I don't have a secretary. Right. And and so I can't even do that. Like, that's not a thing. So, like, if I'm counseling with people during the week, uh, it's I, yeah, I have my door open. But even then, technically, who you know, who's going to know? who's going to walk in or something like that. Theoretically, someone could because the door is open. But um, if you're just looking at the practicality of it, how how I have to guard myself, I have to take those steps to if someone comes in for counseling, I let someone know. You know, for me, yeah. it's a text message to my wife usually. Yeah. And that's whether it's a man or a woman. Right. I, I I text my wife if someone comes in. I'll be like, "Hey, so and so's here," um, and then I text them when they leave and let her know if right. if it was good or if anything happened that she yeah. needed to be informed about. You know, um, there have been some situations where um, it has been a lady, and it's been in a it was a just emergency type situation, and I wasn't comfortable with just having my wife a text message what I, I actually did even though my wife was at work is I called my wife and she, and had her on speakerphone so she could hear everything yeah. and yeah. you know my wife was a bank teller at the time so she couldn't even really be on her phone but I mean she had it there where she could listen right. um, and so I mean you're just going to find yourself yeah. in so many weird situations that you got to try to be the best you can Counseling's not always going to happen in the study it's going to happen in people's homes it's going to happen uh, all sorts of well, places Go ahead. For a, person, for a person that's bivocational, a coffee shop is a great yeah. place to do counseling. Um, because I know some people are like, well, that's public. But if you've been in a coffee shop, it is an, an anonymous public. I mean, people are talking yeah. about all kinds of things at a coffee shop, and nobody listens to each other. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I've, I've sat there in a coffee shop, and, and I have heard snippets, not really paying attention to them, but you'll hear of some of the conversation around you not paying attention to what they're talking about. They're talking about a lot of things, yeah, and really deep things. And so a coffee shop, and there's usually a corner. I mean, if you familiarize yourself with your local restaurants, your local coffee shops, there's always a spot where you can go to yeah. to sort of be out of the way 
and be able to have a conversation. And most people are not listening to what you're talking about. Most people do not care what you're talking about. Yeah. They're there eating, eating a scone and drinking a cup of coffee. And that's all they care about is their scone. Yeah. So if it's going to be emotional, know your, which restaurant has the high ball booth. So the person can cry <laughs> in the corner and not be seen by a bunch of people. That's you right. think it's funny, but it's serious. No, it's like, true. it's like, it's true. you got to think about these things. Um, and I think, like, I think, Getting to the point where we're thoughtful, this goes back to what we talked about the last podcast, being thoughtful beforehand so you're not caught off guard. I think one of the reasons why we get ourselves in trouble is because we've not thought through these things beforehand. And then we're like, oh, uh, I don't know what to do. And that's when bad decisions happen because we haven't thought through what do I do if somebody comes into the office? What do, what do I do if the 20 something year old girl who's having trouble with her husband pops into the office while I'm in the office? Yeah. How am I going to handle that? Um, we need to go ahead and think through that. Have yeah. You know, you said your wife, it may not be a bad idea to go ahead and talk to the, the chairman of your deacon body or to yeah. a form, another staff member or another pastor and say, Hey, um, I'm glad you're here to talk, but I've got a pastor buddy. I'm going to call him and put him on the yeah. speakerphone. He doesn't know you, but he's there for our both of our safety, and so it, it really helps. Well, there. Well, take a, is is anything you can do to give accountability? And this, I'll give a situation that's not mine, so I won't share who's 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 it is. But there's a pastor friend of mine who was had been doing marriage counseling um, for a couple that were having having trouble. He gets a call, um, and he had planned on being there they and he, to his knowledge the husband and the wife were going to be there and he gets in the house and is sat down before he realizes hey it's only the wife here right now right. you know what i'm saying and and so we had um he he sends out a text to his deacons real quick and was like hey just showed up for a counseling session the husband's not here you know, um, but then apparently during the counseling session, the lady like leaned over and put her hand on his knee or something like right. as she as she sobbed or something. You know, she wasn't trying to come on to him, but that was just obviously something that if anyone had walked in, the husband had walked in, that could have been misconstrued. So as soon as he left that lady's house, you know, he stopped her. But then as soon as he left that lady's house, he was like on the phone with his deacons. Hey, this is what happened. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. That way, if anything, potentially, and you know what, nothing came of it. Nothing yeah. ever came of it. But he took the steps that he had to do to be accountable um, to to his church, you know, and for his ministry. Yeah, and let's be honest. If you're uh, if you're um, having an illicit affair with with a lady down the street, you're not going to call right afterwards and say, "Hey, guys, let me tell you exactly what happened." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's a yeah. good move, and I think I think that's really what you have to do. You just have to think through because there are every time in ministry, the devil is going to um, is going to use things to put you in those situations, and so just use your wisdom. Um, listen to the Holy Spirit when you find yourself in a situation that's unplanned because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, take wise steps to protect yourself. Um, you know, usually if I'm in, if somebody, just take this, if somebody blasts me in church, 
because they're mad about something. I almost always go to the chairman of the deacons and say, okay, this was the conversation. This is what I said. This is what they said. I just wanted you to know because it's probably going to get back to you. I wanted to go ahead and tell you this is what yeah. happened. And so the sooner you can let someone else know what's going on, the, the more you can get counsel from them, but also you cover yourself. Yeah. Well, thank Yeah. Um, something to think about it being prepared too. not just be prepared to protect yourself, but you also need to prepare in how you're in a council. You need to think through and be right. prepared. What happens if someone walks through my door with an addiction? What's what happens yeah. if someone walks through my door and they're having marriage problems? What, what about if they just lost a loved one? What if, yeah. uh, you know, what, what think through these things. And, and if that requires you finding books to read so that you can be prepared, um, thinking, you know, deal with these topics, Topics now, while you have the time to concentrate and think through it, find you another brother in Christ, right. talk through it, another pastor, talk through it with them and see what they do and figure out for yourself, you know, what am I going to do if this ever happens? Um, that way, when someone walks through your door and and they confess something to you that you, they need right. counseling with, you're not going, oh, um, what do I do now? You know, you, you actually have something in the background and or maybe a file to pull out, maybe a book to pull off the shelf. Right. Um, you know an action plan that you're going to be able to do to care for your people well. Um, and a second thing I would add to be prepared for is you need to have a list somewhere. I don't care if it's in your phone or in your computer, written down in a file cabinet somewhere. You need to have a list of rehab places near you. You need to have a list of like battered women's shelters. You need to have a list of good, solid, re reliable counseling, preferably Christian counselors and therapists, but just you need to have a list of people that if you have to refer out, you're not having to call around and do something. Do the calling around now while it's not an emergency so that you have those contacts in there. And that's all going to be help you. You're going to be a better shepherd because of doing this. Right. Um, just a little prevention. One other thing I just thought of while you were talking, Jonathan, another thing to do um, to protect yourself, I would recommend to all guys as much as possible, if you have a cell phone, which most of us do, a smartphone, go ahead and get a recording app on your phone um, and just record the conversations. When someone walks in your office, you can very discreetly pull it up on your phone and just record the conversation. Um, if you're going to do that, you need to know um, whether or not you're in a single party, a one party, or a all-party consent state. I live in mm -hmm. Mississippi. We're a single-party consent state. I don't have to ask the person I'm meeting with whether or not they consent to me recording them. Yeah. If you are in an all-party consent state, you need to ask when they come in, do you mind if I record this conversation? If they say no, then you can say, well, look, I have to record this conversation or we're going to have to go somewhere public. And so it gives you a way to do that. Um, and, and so that would be something I recommend. But back to what you were talking about, it, it's important just just do the legwork of finding out these things. And, and I think even what kind of a consent state you're in, um, where your local counseling ministries are, all of those things, finding them out, keeping a, a list handly, handy. Um, I have them in my contacts on my phone, like mm -hmm. drug rehab. Um, so if somebody has a question, I can pull it up on my phone and say, you can call this guy. Here's the number. Yeah. And so those are all helpful things to have. Just do the footwork, the legwork, so that you're ready when it happens. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, Jonathan, what we're saying is 
Um, we need to be prepared for those moments. We need to make sure that we have a plan, uh, just like we plan for our preaching and we plan for all of these other things in life. Let's plan for counseling. Um, find, uh, you know, we talked about phone numbers and those things. Find some helpful Bible verses, um, or or at least find um, some list somewhere of helpful verses in different situations because um, we just need to prepare. And I think preparation is sort of the key to what we're talking about. Just mm-hmm. be prepared. Think through these things well. Yeah, I, I would echo that. Be prepared. Realize that this is a duty that you have to your congregation if you're going to shepherd well um, and prepare like it matters. Remember right. that Hebrews tells us that we're going to give an account for the souls that we are given to shepherd Um, You're going to give an account for God one day for your either counseling or lack of counseling um, and the care that you give. And so we we need to take this topic seriously um, and and really be trying to apply this in our ministry. All right. That sounds good. Uh, We want to thank you all for joining us today uh, for Small Church Shepherds. Uh, Once again, I'm Dennis and Jonathan. Join me today. We hope you'll come back next week. Um, Jonathan, I guess we'll we'll, we'll sort of talk about some resources, you think, uh, that we can do for counseling and and sort of hit some of those things. So we hope you'll come back next week. As always, we want to remind you um, to check out our website, smallchurchshepherds.com, where you can find articles and other resources that you can use in your ministry. I also want to um, put you on to don't forget to like us on Apple or, or Spotify or whatever you use to listen to this um, podcast. Take a moment just to like us. Take a moment just to um, make a comment so that we can better ourselves, but also it'll help bump us up on the list there on, on iTunes. Uh, share us with your friends. Let people know about Small Church Shepherds and the ministry we're doing. Of course, we have our Facebook page, Small Church Shepherds at Facebook and our Twitter page, Shepherds Small. Um, hope you'll look at all of those things and and just be a part of what we're doing thank you for joining us today and we look back look forward to you next time as we join together at small church shepherds thanks and have a great day